Are you underutilizing one of the most powerful restaurant marketing tools on the planet? What do 92 million monthly Yelp searchers see when they land on your page? Is your content accurate and attention grabbing? Are you using every conversion tool possible to set yourself apart? Yelp is here to help. Go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to sign up for a one-on-one with a specialist that will review your Yelp page and share tips to help you stand out. Again, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to supercharge your Yelp page today. Now here we go. It's on us to really define who we are as an industry. And I think now's the turning point from fine dining restaurants to casual restaurants to fast casual restaurants. We'll see a shift in everything. And hopefully we as restaurateurs and people in this industry can sort of rally together and create this movement that ultimately affects our industry to a more positive place. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry. Featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. Hey, it's Josh. I'm starting a new case study group this month, and I'm looking for a few specific people. So, if you're a restaurant owner or operator that's currently doing $50,000 per month in sales, have the desire and the bandwidth to increase your sales by 10 to 20% and have two to three hours per week to work on these strategies, I would love to help you scale up by Christmas. Go to restaurantcasestudy.com and sign up to learn more. Again, that's restaurantcasestudy.com. If you could start all over again, what would you do differently? Did you see the pandemic as this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to start all over again, but with a ton of lessons learned under your belt? Today we chat with celebrity chef Tim Hollingsworth of Odium in Los Angeles. He shares the lessons he took away from the pandemic, as well as the evolutions of his own restaurant as he incorporates a fresh perspective into a fresh start. You know, I think Working at the French Laundry, I was in a very fortunate position. I started there pretty young. I was 21 years old. Worked there through my 20s into my 30s. And there's a lot of lessons that I learned at the French Laundry, even lessons that I probably still don't realize that I'll remember and kind of think of as my career sort of progresses. But there's a few that sort of come to mind. The idea of just constantly pushing yourself and constantly working harder, the idea of surrounding yourself with people that are better than you at different things, just to try to continually learn constantly, to kind of continually push you, creating a diverse team that doesn't rely on everybody having the same strengths, people having multiple strengths in order to create an actual team that is really, really effective. Creatively, just thinking about like the foundation of memories and when you're creating a dish, if it's reinforced by a previous memory, how that sort of reinforces it and allows you to remember it. I've had the opportunity to eat a lot of different places around the world. Some of those places I remember the meals, some of the places I don't. Some of the places cook really, really innovative food. And sometimes you leave and you're like, I don't remember what I had because I can't really, like, there's no real reference point. But then there's other ones that are like, this reminds me of this and this is like and that is really really special memory someone comes into odium and they talk about a dish they're like oh my god this reminds me of a dish that my grandmother used to make and it's like wow that's a huge compliment you know something that brings them transports them back to their childhood 
and they remember something like that, it just brings a lot of happiness and joy to me. Well, and do you think that's what sets the French Laundry apart? And I guess we can continue that conversation on to Odium. Is that experiential element that goes into the food? Is that what makes concepts like those so special? Yeah, I mean, I think a place like the French Laundry, you know, you're one of the best restaurants in the world and you're going to attract people that want to work there. If you're looking to work at the best restaurant in the world, then you're probably an ambitious person. So I think that that type of place really breeds excellence. Some people do really well in that environment. Some people don't do really well in that environment. But the one common thing is like people are going there to prove themselves to work really, really hard. So it's that same thing that we're a little bit more casual, of course, at Odium. We're not three Michelin star fine dining restaurant, but we do take a more casual approach to fine dining, I would say. And I think that the thing that we have to offer here is just that we want people that are hungry, people that want to learn. We try to teach people and we try to get them to buy into a philosophy. And instead of saying, hey, this is how we do it, you know, it's this is why we do it. If there's a better way, we're open to listening to that. But at the end of the day, it's teaching people the reason why we do things. So hopefully they believe that that's the best way to do it or that's a great way or I believe in the way Odium wants to do it. So it's easier for people to execute and it's a good environment when you don't have people just coming in here to fulfill a job and get a paycheck. You have people that are buying into the process, buying into the philosophy of the restaurant. What I think is really interesting is that you came out of the French Laundry after spending so much time there. When you look at restaurant time, it's like dog years, right? You spend one year at a restaurant, it's like spending half a decade. And you came out and one of the first things you did when you went independent was you chose to create a more progressive, positive culture in the kitchen than certainly what you came up with. And I'm wondering, what was the impetus for that? It's not like chefs have been openly talking about the fact that they want to be kinder, more gentler, more empathetic people. And yet that was still the path that you chose after, I would argue, such a heavy, heavy influence for so many years. Before the French Laundry, I worked at one restaurant. It was called Zachary Jack's. It was in my hometown. It was a country French style restaurant, very family oriented, small team. And going from a restaurant like that with that culture, I mean, I was young. I babysit the kids. I watched the restaurant when they went, went back to France. I was a kid. And then you go work at a restaurant like the French Laundry, and it's like everybody's pushing so hard, and it's constant battle, and you're just driven, driven, driven for success in a very competitive culture as well, in a great way. And for me, leaving the French Laundry, I kind of had to take a step back and decompress. And then, you know, obviously, I chose to leave for specific reasons. The majority of the reason was I just wanted to see what I can do for myself versus underneath somebody else's umbrella. But upon doing that, I'm sort of thinking about like, okay, well, what is a restaurant? Yeah, I spent 12, 13 years at this place. Amazing experience. But like, that's somebody else's philosophy. That's somebody else's brand. That's somebody else's restaurant that they developed. And I bought in. I grew up in that philosophy. That a lot of it was had become my philosophy as well. But now I'm taking the opportunity to take a step back and say like, okay, what are the important things to me? What do I want out of a restaurant? What is a restaurant? We're not opening up a restaurant that's French Laundry that's booked out months in advance and has people traveling all over the world for a bucket list restaurant. A restaurant to me is like, you know, I was like, okay, we're going to be next to a museum. We're going to be next to apartment buildings. We're going to be in downtown. What is the clientele going to look like? We're next to the Walt Disney Concert Hall and the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, Road Museum, Mocha Museum, like all of these things. And it's like trying to figure out what that was. And with that came 
other reasons in why I wanted to leave the French Laundry, which was I wanted to create more of a balance in life. I worked a lot of hours. I loved what I did. You know, I wanted to have a family. I wanted there to be a little bit more balanced personally in my life. And that needs to translate to my employees as well. And so just creating a more relaxed environment that still is serious. As a chef there, you're a chef of a three Michelin star restaurant. Like it's rated number one in the world. The only place to go from there is down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're at the top. So there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, in opening up podium, it's like, yes, a lot of things matter, but let's pick and choose our battles and figure out what really matters here and how do we create a great environment for the guests in the restaurant, for the employees in the restaurant, how do we create a culture that's like a family. All of those things were very much on top of mind in developing the restaurant. Jesus, man, I can't imagine how stressful it must have been at the French Laundry if in order to achieve balance and unwind, you decided to open up a two-story restaurant in Los Angeles. That's a wind down. You know, it was a lot of stress, but it was a lot of, I love it. I, as chefs, we thrive on stress. I find myself putting myself in the weeds, so to speak, because I enjoy that. Well, let's dig into the early days of Odium. If you could start fresh, what would you do differently in opening that restaurant? It's a difficult place to move to a different city and open a restaurant. I didn't really realize that until I did it. All the purveyors are different that we use here. Yes, some stuff has flown in and whatnot, but for the most part, you're dealing with a lot of farmers and a lot of people that are very, very local. So figuring that out was a huge learning curve. Who's the best farmers? Like, where should we get this from? Where should we get that from? And we're still figuring that out. It's just like years later, and we're still figuring out and trying to find the best people to work with. But I think the lessons that we needed to learn are the things that we wanted to change. Honestly, we just had the opportunity to do so because we're close for 13 months. And I took the menu, wadded it up, threw it in the trash, started with a blank piece of paper and wrote OTM 2.0 at the top and started writing. And with that came the steps of service and how we do things. Just a lot of changes throughout the restaurant, hopefully for the better. So the pandemic did, that was going to be my follow-up question, that the pandemic did offer you an opportunity to get a reset, like a do-over. It 100% did. I mean, think about like, I'm a chef from Northern California. Yes, I lived in LA a couple of years before I opened this restaurant, but I don't know Los Angeles clientele. I don't know what they eat, what they didn't eat. So a lot of the stuff that we put on at the beginning is like, we put quail on the menu. Not a lot of people love quail. There's a lot of scenarios like that where you don't really know what people are going to gravitate towards. And now, having lived in LA for almost a decade, having the restaurant for about six years, we have a pretty good understanding of who our clientele is, what the clientele is like in Los Angeles, and what hopefully they're looking for. In 2020, the number of people using food delivery and delivery services surged by 30%. And as a restaurant owner, it's crucial to have the ability to meet guests where they are. That's where Pop Menu comes in. Pop Menu gives restaurant owners the tools they need to transform their website by simplifying ordering and delivery. Pop Menu will build your restaurant a website that's designed to engage guests, showcasing photos and reviews. But Pop Menu is much more than an online menu. Leverage this powerful tool to streamline your ordering experience, no matter how you do business. Do more with a platform that facilitates in-house delivery, curbside pickup, and contactless ordering. Do business your way. Pop Menu can take your restaurant to the next level. And for a limited time, Full Comp listeners get $100 off their first month. 
plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Head over now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash full comp. Again, that's popmenu.com slash full comp. Did the pandemic change the way you see the industry itself or your role within it? Honestly, I don't think I've really put my finger on it yet. You know, I think that the industry is changing, it's pivoting, like staffing is a real issue now. Everything's sort of changed, the cultural, like people's sensitivities, all of these things have really changed in the past few years. And certainly coming back after, I would say, sort of kind of like an unsocialization in the past, like, year, year and a half of like people being in their houses locked up to a certain extent. But yeah, I mean, I think it's caused all of us to really look at the industry and figure out how we sort of change. I see it as a responsibility too, like to really train people to be chefs versus just line cooks. And we have like this sort of farming culture where we're basically like starting people in lower positions and growing them so they understand the restaurant from the ground up. And that's really important. It's not a new or not an innovative thing, but I think it is important. And I think that that process is very important to teach the next generation. Right now, if you're short staff, you're going to maybe put somebody in a position that doesn't necessarily need to be in that position or belong in that position because you're like forced to because you need people. And we were fortunate enough to have a lot of our team members from before, which after 13 months off, that's a long time for your team to like kind of be sitting around and come back. So we're very thankful for that. That's extremely helpful because they help basically teach the culture, right? If you have a brand new restaurant with brand new employees, it's a job to get that culture in that restaurant. Yes, we have new employees. Yes, part of the team is new, but ultimately the majority of the team is the same. So what does that allow us to do? That allows us to indoctrinate the other people into this culture and really have them buy in and believe. We're also open limited services. We're only open five days a week, dinner only. We want to expand on that, but staffing-wise has caused sort of slow down in that process. But it's also a blessing in disguise in the sense that we can now focus more. We have five days dinner only. Like, you're not trying to do lunch and dinner, and that's two teams plus a midday service plus seven days a week. Like, all of these things cause for, like, not all the same teammates working the same days. So now, kitchen team, you know, five days a week, you're working five days a week, you're here Monday through, or Wednesday through Sunday. We're all here together. So, it helps us create a stronger team too, cohesive team. I can imagine. To speak to that inflection point that you brought up, we are in the process of redefining what a restaurant is because it can be many, many different things now. Our restaurants can exist in people's houses to a certain degree. And you just did a pop-up with BJ Novak that was a massive success. Do you see yourself doing more of those? And does that roll into your definition of what a restaurant is and what it will be? BJ and I have been talking about this concept for a while now, and we're super excited. Both of us are very excited about it. He's excited about it for his reasons. I'm excited about it for my reasons. My reasons come from, stem from like my childhood. I grew up eating a lot of home-cooked meals. We didn't have a ton of money. My mom cooked pretty much all of our meals. When we went out to dinner, we went out to change style restaurants. So, you know, that was going out to a fancy restaurant for us. So whatever these restaurants were, they created a certain type of memory for me and a nostalgia that I still experience sometimes when I go home and we have dinner with my family and we're going to go eat in Sacramento someplace and stuff like that. A lot of times we're going to eat at a place like Lazy Dog or chain restaurants. And I eat there and I'm like, man, it's not what I remember. 
it's not what it was like. But like, there's there's certain things that it's like if you want to talk about chicken tortilla soup and fajitas at Chili's, like I can remember being a kid and eating that, and like I'm hungry right now, I'm craving that. You know, it sounds good, but I'm sure if I go and eat it. I don't know if they've changed <laughs> over the years. My palate's changed over the years. What's really happened? But I've asked myself you know, the same question. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think the idea is that someone with my experience now, how do you go back and revisit these different dishes? And maybe you're focused on ingredients. Maybe you're focused on technique a little bit more. Maybe you're creating your own dishes. And I think it's a fun concept. And I think that that's the type of concept that gets me excited because I get to play off of kind of dishes that have already been done and sort of do a different version of them. So, yeah, I think that type of restaurant has a lot of legs. We will be continuing to do more pop-ups with that concept and working towards developing a storefront. You think a storefront is the move? Because I also look at like your collaboration with Blue Apron and I see that there's so many opportunities for co-branding, strategic partnerships, pop-ups. I'm sure you know Jet, Tila. Like you look at what Jet's doing and you've got to ask yourself, for the chefs out there that are working to build profile, that have profile, that have a strong brand, do you even need a restaurant anymore? Do you need a brick and mortar that you go to every day? And is that something that's important to you in your career? As a chef, I think you don't need that these days. I really don't, like, especially a celebrity chef. But at the same time, I'm a little bit more of an old school person in the sense that I like would feel a little bit naked without one. So I enjoy being in a restaurant. I enjoy the team aspect of it. I enjoy the idea of creating. I enjoy the control that you have in a restaurant. I enjoy the ability to change the flexibility you have because you develop this team and they're able to execute amazingly. So I think there is a place for restaurants for sure. But I don't think it's the end all be all if that's if the path that you want to take as a chef is to not have your own restaurant, you know, and you want to take a different approach. You know, I think that there's definitely those lanes that are open at this point. Let's take a minute to talk about celebrity chefdom because you're famous. And I would argue that most of the folks listening would kill to have your public persona. And I'm sure you did a thousand things to get where you are today. But I'm also sure that one to three of those things are really what would move the needle. Can you share with me like what those one to three opportunities that you seized or choices you made that had a significant impact on creating the celebrity status that you have? Yeah, I mean, number one was making the move to go and work at one of the best restaurants in the world, working at the French Laundry. The other one is being the chef there. When tapped on the shoulder to be a chef there, it wasn't like I was working towards being the chef there necessarily, but the opportunity presented itself and I said yes. That led me to winning Rising Star Chef from San Francisco Chronicle and James Beard. Both of those are amazing things, especially James Beard Award. There's not a lot of people that ever get the opportunity to have that necessarily, especially one that is on a tight time frame like the Rising Star Chef. You have to be under a certain age. The other is Boku Store. You know, doing the Boku Store, a huge international competition that's supported by amazing chefs from around the world, not only in America, but from around the world. So putting your name out there on that stage, recognition-wise, is a pretty big thing to do. You know, you get a lot of people that know your name at that point. You get a lot of friends. You meet people, met a lot of people in relationships that I still have today. And then opening my own restaurant and sort of going through that process. And that was a huge one in a city like L.A. And then the final table, doing a show on Netflix. I've done television a little bit before from a judging standpoint, but the actual like putting yourself out there, 
having people sort of follow and believe in you and root for you or root for one of your opponents and that recognition right there, the following jumps up. That's an international stage. It's an international stage that lives on Netflix. That really had two moments, in my opinion, from my standpoint. It was the release of it, huge influx of people watching it, a lot of marketing behind it, of course, Netflix. And then we go into this pandemic, a lot of people that now have time to watch TV and they're searching for TV and maybe they're over all the shows that they watch and they're looking for something new. They took a chance on the final table and I'm seeing another resurgence of that of people coming into the restaurant now. And it's like television is amazing marketing, especially if you have a restaurant. It's a great way to put butts in seats. I can imagine with all things considered, what are your goals for the next 12 months? What does success look like moving forward? I think I want to expand upon what we've done so far. Lost a couple of restaurants due to the pandemic. I'd like to pick those restaurants back up or pick versions of those restaurants back up. So definitely expanding upon the brand and growing it, really taking the opportunity to utilize my name and utilize the resources that I have in order to open up more things and do things potentially a little bit differently. So yeah, that's the goal to really grow and continue to grow as a chef. So I remember when the release came out back in 2019 about you opening a restaurant in San Francisco. And then when you publicly made the choice to not open that restaurant, that had to require a lot of courage because there's just a lot of ego wrapped up in this business. I mean, for me, I'm sure for you, for so many of us. And I'm curious to know, is it the attention, the focus that you're placing on fast casual? What is informing your expansion plans, your growth strategy? Because I think that that's where a lot of restaurateurs make mistakes, right? The first one works and the second one struggles and then it just gets kind of hinky from there. So I'm wondering when you look platitudes aside, like when do you know it's time to grow and when do you know what to do personally in your own mind? Yeah. I mean, I think the number one thing is your number one spot needs to be in a place. You need to have a team in place. You need to be happy about it where it can run on its own to a certain extent. Yes, you're still involved. Yes. So, but like, you know, you'd be able to rely on the team that you have there. So that's the number one thing for me is making sure that I'm set up for success in at Odium. And then moving beyond that, it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to open up a fried chicken restaurant. Who's going to be running that? I don't want to necessarily just go out there and be like, okay, let me hire a chef. You know, I think someone that understands you and who you work with and stuff like that. So the, the idea that you're breeding people through your restaurant in order to kind of go out and allow you to expand your brand and fulfill different opportunities. You know, I think that's the real kind of kicker. And then for me, it's like, well, what am I missing in my neighborhood? I want to open something next to my house that brings value to my house, bring value to my neighborhood. How do I do that? Okay, well, just taking a look at what are the holes in there and just figuring out what that is. I'm not necessarily the person that's like, oh, you know, I have this concept in the back of my brain that like I really want to open. Yeah, I feel like I can open almost like whatever kind of concept and be successful at it. Obviously, there's things that I would stay away from. I'm not a sushi chef. I'm not going to open up a sushi restaurant, different things like that. But like, for the most part, I can open up whatever I want within a certain environment. You spoke about like the courage that it takes to back out of a project like that. I think there's two things in there. One is that, yes, it does take courage and it's not an easy thing to do, especially in the city that I feel knows me really well. Being so close to Napa, I spent a lot of time in San Francisco, a lot of friends in San Francisco. But I think that 
you know, it's just didn't feel like the right time anymore. I'll say this, even though I feel like I'm still learning this. It's like, it doesn't matter what other people think. You know what I mean? It's like, there's a lot of media that writes about things. There's a lot of awards that get handed out and all that kind of stuff. Is your restaurant a good restaurant? Do you believe in your restaurant? The awards don't necessarily really matter. They're nice. Don't get me wrong. Yes, they do drive butts to seats sometimes too, but it's like there's a lot of great chefs out there that don't have awards. So it's like those that, that do really well and maybe are financially more successful than other chefs with awards. So whatever you want, whatever your desire is, should be your desire without having to worry about like, oh, am I making the food critic of the LA Times happy? I don't know. I'm not cooking for him necessarily or them necessarily. No, I'm really not. Like I'm cooking to make something that I'm proud of. And it's like, oh, if I open up my fried chicken restaurant, is the who's who in Los Angeles going to show up? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But maybe that's not my clientele. Maybe my clientele is the people in that neighborhood. And there's a lot of great neighborhood restaurants out there. People don't need to drive from Santa Monica to come eat at my fried chicken restaurant. So I think it's having the confidence within yourself to be like, these are my goals. This is what I want it to be. And there's going to be people that are going to say this about it, people that are going to say that about it, people that are going to compare you to this or compare you to that. And at the end of the day, all that sort of noise doesn't really matter. And I think it's something that society is sort of like really trying to wrap their head around with that, you know, now when everybody's kind of preaching that a little bit, I think it's a great philosophy. I think we need to be first and foremost, happy with ourselves and what we're doing. Yes. I'm a chef. I like to please people. I like to have instant gratification. I love to serve you a dish and to see your face on it and stuff like that. That makes me happy. But if I read a review, it's like, and it's a bad review, it hurts. And you take them some with a grain of salt. You take some of them as like, probably right and it's probably something we need to work on and those types of things but i think ultimately we need to be happy with what we're doing first and foremost and that's the thing that matters it's an industry podcast and at the end of every episode i like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience do you have advice or words of encouragement that you'd like to offer the folks listening yeah definitely i mean i think our industry is at a turning point you know and i think that we as leaders in the industry need to figure out where to take a stand and to take risk. And I know we're all running businesses and businesses need to make money. Otherwise we're not going to be here tomorrow and we're not going to be able to expand and do different things. But like we need to slowly start making conscious decisions that are better for the environment, better for the world, better for the people that are working for us, creating a better system for restaurants. I think one thing that's kind of going around right now is like the customer's not always right anymore. The guest is not always right anymore. And you know what? I'm a firm believer in that. You know, I think that I was in a place before where I like believe that, but like maybe didn't believe it fully, but like was following it. And now like after everything and seeing how people are reacting and acting in restaurants and stuff like that, it's like, we need to be responsible for our teams and their happiness and don't let guests treat our employees incorrectly. And It's on us to really define who we are as an industry. And I think now's the turning point. And we'll see from fine dining restaurants to casual restaurants to fast casual restaurants, we'll see a shift in everything. And hopefully we as restaurateurs and people in this industry can sort of rally together and create this movement that ultimately affects our industry to a more positive place. Margins are low and we need to pay employees more. How do we do that? We got to charge the guests more. We got to charge for what the food is worth and what the service is worth and make sure that everybody we're taking care of everybody in our industry. Otherwise, 
we're not going to have employees anymore. People are going to move on from this industry, and it's going to be really hard to have a restaurant. That's Chef Tim Hollingsworth. For more on Tim, go to timothyhollingsworth.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Copel. You've been listening to Full Comp.